In the same routine, change it daily with ESPN's Midday Workout. Start off with the world's best fitness instructors, the ESPN Fitness Pros. You'll get a workout with a twist. Getting fit with Denise Austin is next. And July keeps you moving with Bodies in Motion. Plus, the gang on body shaping will get you in great shape. Get up. Get going. Get ESPN's Midday Workout. Gentlemen, okay? I just embrace it. It seems pretty disingenuous the way it was said. I don't know. I appreciate it. Thanks. I just kind of wish it was a woman. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing, man. I could tell sometimes uh, when a white person is not used to being around us, I, like by like their their bar of expectation of of how we are or how I am. Um, I could tell, like, hello, well, how just- are you doing? If I just tell him that, you could just look at their. Oh my! My God, he he's communicating. He said a proper salutation, like, and that's going on in their mind. Like, I get, I got my peripherals. Like Cat Williams say, your peripherals, my peripherals work. So when I'm talking to another man of the Caucasian persuasion, I can see the person who's kind of like standing on the wall. Like, I don't know if I should interact with them. I can tell, like, from from me talking to the person who's talking to me. I can just tell, like, oh my God, he can, he can hold a conversation. Like, he's not like coming in here with a boombox with hip hop and fucking smoking a blunt and fucking drinking a forty ounce. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe, like, he doesn't have seventeen baby mamas. I mean, Steve, feel free though to come through with a blunt and a forty, even. You know, I, I do drink forties no. and smoke blunts. I don't have seventeen baby mamas, but it's just like I don't know, man. I, I you know rap, Steve. You know, you know rap, right? You have an eight right? foot vertical, don't you? And an eight foot cock. <laughs> this guy's packing a wallop. Am I right, Steve? All right. Sometimes people mean well when they say such things, but they don't understand or realize how crass they could come across. You seem yeah. swell for a black guy, or you're a fine it's black odd. gentleman. <laughs> it's odd to be your friend and then have to watch that happen behind you. Like, oh, <laughs> this is awkward. Yeah, but like, I I get. I, I think what breaks the awkwardness is calling the shit out and making yeah. fun of it. Because I know, like, whoever said that shit, oh, he seems like a fine black gentleman. Or, whatever he said, or handsome black. Like, it's just handsome. like why? Why can't it just be gentle? Handsome. When you throw in the black, it's like, what were you expecting? Something else? Like we can't be fine and handsome? How dare you? But and at the like, same time, Steve, just you are handsome, black gentleman. So and so you are know. you, my friend. Thank you. I love. Because you got the touch. Beep, beep, beep. You got the power. You hear the magic on that tape? That's that's ours, okay? We take that magic, we take it to the record label, we get a deal. It's that easy. Hey, 
going back to Johnny Depp, I realized that there are more, more Mark Wahlberg movies than Johnny Depp movies that I fuck with. And you can tally them up. It's not hard to do. Just he, He's got at least a handful of comedy flicks that I fuck with. The Will Ferrell shit. Uh, Ted, one and two. I never saw Ted 2, I don't think. I really hey. don't think I saw it, but I didn't mind the first one. I didn't, I didn't fire, like, man. it didn't set the world on fire, but it was good. The first one was fucking hilarious. I mean, it was like a, it was Family Guy, you know, it was the same kind of shit. It was great. I'm not hating. I love me some Mark Wahlberg. It's, I don't know. It's just, he I, killed I Johnny think Depp. you're right. You're in terms of like numbers, probably. And just Boogie Nights in and of itself. That alone, I mean, yeah, and, and I believe they're about neck and neck, is man. Insane, like Fear, uh, Boogie Nights, Basketball Diaries, Boom. Uh, I'm overlooking something massive, and I just can't. Four Brothers, Dope. Um, something else in the '90s. Up, up, the other guys, Three Kings. Three that Kings. Movie, that movie's dope. Shout out Three Kings. Check that one out. Yeah, yeah, Don Mega. <laughs> and Spike Jones for some reasons in it. You know, why not? Very interesting behind the scenes because Mark Wahlberg famously uh, didn't respect the director. Let's say that. They had a few tussles on set. Mark Wahlberg seems like that type of dude, though. He's, he's kind of a alpha male type dude, seems like. Yeah, he's from Boston. And he's got out. a 13-inch dong. We all saw it in Boogie Nights. We saw it. Yeah, but he's still got little man complex. <laughs> he's a, how tall is Marky Mark? He's like 5'4"? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. You want me to look it up real quick? Get his deets. I'll fact check this shit real quick, Mark. How, how tall are you? I'm 6'3", Steve. Mark Wahlberg standing. Oh, boy. 5'8". 5'8". 5'8", allegedly 5'8". I'll give him an inch, but 5'9", even, that's... That, I get it. That, that used to be the average. I believe the average now is like 5'11", 6 foot even, probably. I don't know. There are a couple of tall gents. It doesn't matter. We're looking down on all these fucking people. It's, it's all good. And all the haters. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G and Mad G with Happened in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happened in the 90s. So get out your Michael Jordan jerseys and your MTV trading cards, because she's the one for me. She's all I ever need. Oh, yeah, she's the one for me. How do you feel about Smashing Pumpkins, Steve? What, what, where, where do they fall in your 90s pantheon of rock? Oh, I, I can't do uh, top 10 with them, but they're legends, man. I fucks with Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. That shit goes hard in the paint. Um, that's really, like, album-wise, that one. Uh, Siamese Dream was cool, but uh, yeah, dude, they got some bangers. Melancholy, I mean, I think that's both for anybody our age, that's the one. Plus, that has that's just a couple of fucking burners on that. Plus, yeah, a double man. album. You didn't get that. I mean, it's rare you ever get that. It's crazy for a rock band to do that. I don't they remember which one I enjoyed, the blue or the pink, but. 
they were unique, man. Uh, I mean, not too many bands at that time had uh, a girl in the band, like with guys. Oh yeah, I forgot there was a chick in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they had an Asian guitarist. So they had like a different kind of look, man. They It made them unique. And um, Billy Corgan, Corgan he, looks like a Make-A-Wish kid that got his wish made to be a rock star. In a way, yeah, I could see that. Uh, it, he's like a wrestling fan. He owns, uh, was it TNA or he bought NWA? He was writing, uh, I think I think he was actually writing, uh, one of the writers for WWE for a while. I think he did that. Yeah, man, I, unbeknownst to me this whole time. Did, hey, maybe you know this, Steve. Did Patrice O'Neal ever write for WWE? I heard a rumor. He did. That. He did, man. And, and insane. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't like the lifestyle, man, because that shit is it's all year round. Do you know what he was responsible like any of what he did? He, well, this is Ruthless Aggression era, I believe. This was like early to mid 2000s. Yeah, because he would pass away in 2011. Yeah. That's so sick. I never... I mean, the shit has to be written. I, you know that. It's it's stories and stuff, but you never think, like, these comedians you like are fucked. What's his face? Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, dude, Billy Corgan. You never yeah. think, like, people like that. It's like, oh, those people actually were writing the shit? That's crazy. I thought it was just I mean, Vince like doing lines, fucking just you know, just making it up as he goes. He's gonna puke. <laughs> He's gonna. Man, I was just telling my roommate about this time uh, when Vince came out in the '90s, and he had this promo. I'll never forget this shit. When I die, I wanna go to hell. What the fuck? I was just like, whoa, Vince. Okay. You've come a long way from just being that uh, nice, innocent commentator guy. I mean, I just remember you in high school just going, Austin, you're <laughs> You did that in the Penn State Nittany Lions, uh, like growl whatever it is <laughs> a lot of fucking kijana carter and fucking curtis enos curtis, dude I, curtis enos dude shout out curtis enos whatever happened to that guy yeah and, and the ginger quarterback y'all had the uh the whistleblower if you will yeah it took a while though it was a slow whistle he had to go find the whistle Shout out to that ginger quarterback. You even remember his name, Matt? See, he was never a good quarterback. Like, that's past my time. He beat our ass. Well, I mean, hey. He was good enough to do that. I don't. Uh, I don't. I mean, but, you know, fuck that guy. He was a piece of shit. Y'all had that really good wide receiver uh, when y'all had him. It was Curtis Enos, and uh, he ended up going to the Browns. He's actually from Cleveland. He played for Penn State. Uh, I don't think he was drafted by Cleveland. Maybe he was. Um, hmm. Wide man, receiver, I'm not remember. I remember fucking LeVar Arrington's beast ass. That's about one of the Oh, Joe Juravicious? Hell yeah. Is, is what a name. Right? 
Yeah, hell yeah. I for- a, you, yeah, man. I forgot about that guy's exhibit. He was white, right? White dude, yeah. Fucking yeah. hoss. You know, that's what happens, Steve. Some kids got touched, and then there were some beast-ass players. You know, linebacker you. Paul Pozlesny. Anybody remember that name? Nah, man. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Sorry, yeah, bud. Me. You lost me on that one. Sorry, dog. Sorry, Paul. But anywho, Penn State is all the boy touching aside. What's up, Steve? How you doing? Shit. Uh, I don't know. How do we? Yeah. Uh, where do we go from that one? You're the one that brought Penn State up. I mean, we just have to point out the obvious there. Great play. Yeah. And and he's still alive. Like how how is how is he making it, man? They they say if you diddle children, uh, you're you're gonna be fucking chow yao mean chow main in fucking jail, man. And here he is, still standing, Saying still Dusky? here, Joey. <laughs> Sandusky is that? Right? Yeah, it, it, he's it, rich, it, Steve. That's what you don't get. Like, rich people can get away with that. Like that guy was living in the back. His backyard was a kinder, like a fucking elementary school, dude. It's crazy. You don't think he was holding his own in there, putting up his paws? Come on. Oh, it's definitely like a no no holds barred stitch in there now. It's straight Oz. He's in there. He's a part of Aryan Nation now. <laughs> Jerry Sandusky's just tatted the fuck up, just running the jail. Yeah, man, if you don't join this, they're going to eat your ass. Literally. You know what Sandusky does? Okay. All right, man. Where do I start? Where do I sign? Because I can't fight. Uh, but today, my friend, we're talking about all things May 19th, the 90s. Uh, uh, happy birthday to my cousin Richard, by the way. Uh, happy birthday, 19. <laughs> Yeah, man, fucking he he got me hip to Pizza Cat in Toledo. It's the best pizza ever in the world. In Toledo. It's called Pizza Cat. And they're down the street from Gino's. What I love about this, this is the pettiness of it. The guy who owns Pizza Cat was fired from Gino's. He basically takes Gino's recipe and makes it better. (laughs) And the fucking... All of the, the fucking traffic from Geno's goes to Pizza Cat now, because I'm telling you, bro, it, whatever the fuck he's done, like, he unlocked the Matrix, <clears throat> broke the cheat code. Um, and just the fact that, like, there's that backstory with it, oh, man, it, the, the pettiness tastes so lovely. So, everybody, go visit Pizza Cat. Sounds like I I love the pettiness myself, Steve. I'm going to have to go check it out. I don't remember Geno's, but... I anybody who just you know gets fired and then just steals the business, I love that. Yeah, well, Gino's was a staple in Toledo forever, man. They always say it's the best, and what it's all right. It's a Marcos, Steve. Mar- it's good not fucking Marcos. Marcos. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. We just had Marcos, man, the other day. Uh, he had some of the. My roommate ordered some of that uh, Ray Romano sauce or whatever the hell you want to call it, and uh, Roma sauce. Yeah, the shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just don't fuck just get the OG blend just get that get you some cheese sticks get you some cinnamon sticks and just party and then fall asleep in a diabetic coma afterwards that's the only way to go with every diet I was on I couldn't lose weight because I was always hungry 
but I lost nine pounds and I lost those nine pounds because I took Dexatrim. Dexatrim just controls your appetite so you're not hungry. The plan was easy. It was wonderful the way the weight came off. Just one Dexatrim helps control your appetite from morning till bedtime so you can lose weight without being hungry. And you just get all these results and I lost nine pounds and I feel great and it shows. Clinical studies prove four out of five people lost weight with Dexatrim. Uh, now, in 1990, Saturday Night Live is airing their season finale uh, with musical guests the Notting Hillbillies and Candace Bergen. Never heard of the Notting Hillbillies. Um, one thing that stood out was a uh, Toonses skit. And I love was, that shit, dude. Toonses, the driving cat. It was pretty dark. Um, like, Toonses fucking puts this other cat, this rival cat, into a daze basically puts like smelling salt with the fucking rag over the cat <laughs> and, yeah uh, toots is the driving cat i love it but uh other than that oh yeah there was a wayne's world skit candace bergen who is Mur murphy brown murphy brown okay there we go murphy brown uh my mother's favorite show back. I hated Murphy Brown. It was yeah. the Dennis Miller of sitcoms. It was unnecessary. I can, yeah, I mean, it's CBS, man. Uh, but on that night, that same day in 1990, Capital Combat airs on pay-per-view through NWA. And uh, Capital Combat is mostly remembered for having the RoboCop crossover promotion. Um, and the only involvement that that RoboCop had, uh, he comes out, uh, Sting is locked in the cage. Uh, RoboCop comes out and his equipment is falling apart. So he could barely move. He's like trying to keep the shit together. <laughs> and he like breaks open the cage and frees Sting so that he can fight in, the, in his match. And, you know, they, they've promoted it with this guy all over the posters of RoboCop, thinking there was going to be some more involvement than what we actually got. Like he was going to wrestle and shit. Like, oh, yeah. shit. Something like maybe shoot a motherfucker with a laser gun or something. I don't know. Can I say, Steven, this is going to I'm coming in, probably going to get a lot of hatred for this. RoboCop. I mean, there's one where a little kid's a drug dealer, and that one's kind of funny, but I don't know, man. I, I didn't dig the RoboCop. I was a. I feel like Terminator was my robot thing, you know? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Well, you watched RoboCop probably after Terminator. Like, you didn't... Maybe you'd appreciate it more if you watched RoboCop in the 80s. I do remember one thing from RoboCop 1 where the dude gets shot up, like the guy who becomes RoboCop gets shot up in the most graphic of way. Like he gets blown apart, which is yeah, why he, he becomes up. RoboCop. But it's pretty wild. Yeah. And I mean, wasn't uh, Red Foreman in the movie? I think he was the guy that shot him. Oh, yeah. He's a villain. Yeah, for he's sure. He's a villain. Yeah. There's some other, there's like a corporate entity that's a villain too. And I, there's some like slime bag that's. He's kind of has the energy of like that guy that does coke and die hard that tries to you know negotiate or whatever just a slime ball but you know now that i'm saying it now i'm kind of having some fond memories of robocop maybe i need to go back 
I believe it's available on one of these streams, man. And uh, this also has Mark Callis. Mean Mark Callis is in this pay-per-view. This is uh, The Undertaker. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, wow. and he's accompanied with Teddy Long, and he has a fight with Johnny Ace. And What's Johnny his Ace, thing? What is his thing in this? Uh, he's being Mark Callis. He's just a mean guy. Yeah, and he's got his red hair out. He's got his uh, red mullet. Nice. Just full, like, straight. He probably hung out with fucking uh, Scott Hall a lot. You know, were they, were they crossing over? Because I feel like the look... I need to get some side by side. They had the same like mullety hair and pedo stash, except Undertaker's is red and weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, they I don't know if they crossed paths at this point. Um, but he was in a tag team with Dangerous Danny Spivey. Uh you probably don't remember him, but mm. yeah, they were both managed by Teddy Long, and Teddy Long was the black guy. Holla holla player. <laughs> you don't have a match yeah he was the black guy uh he was like the general manager for smackdown he always be like you're gonna have a match with the undertaker tonight <laughs> he would always have somebody facing undertaker every thursday i mean if he didn't like you fuck it uh but in 1991 on may 19th babes aired their series finale uh this is one of those weird fox experiments from the late 80s early 90s uh, it's the series that follows a trio of overweight sisters facing the challenges of work relationships popularity and starting a family the ladies also share a small one-bedroom apartment in new york city which added to the comic friction and um yeah like i said uh, very niche fucking crowd uh, i don't get the full picture but the woman in the middle She's the more recognizable one. Uh, her name is Amy Jo Sperber, and she was in some of the Back to the Futures, and uh, she was in Bosom Buddies. I don't know if you remember that with Peter Scolari and Tom Hanks back in the day. Uh, yeah. What is this show called? Babes? Babes, yeah. It's kind Fox of... Uh, really just like making some Hail Mary passes at this point. They're like, we got to figure out fat chicks, maybe? I don't know. Just throwing darts, just throwing darts, man. Uh, you know, and then looking back on it, I mean, this probably wouldn't last the full season. It's pretty disingenuous. These just look like some background players from Blossom or something, you know? It's, it's got that kind of energy. But man, you said that what that chick in the middle's from. I just, she looks so fucking familiar. She's definitely in something I've seen. I guess probably Back to the Future. Yeah. Maybe one of those Bosom Buddy episodes. Uh, now, in 1981, WCW has another pay-per-view titled Super Brawl 1. And this is known for it being Ric Flair's last uh, WCW pay-per-view before he would go on to uh, join Vince and them boys. Vince just waiting, just sitting there, just calculating, like, I'm going to take this guy now. I'm going to throw the check. Look at Ric Flair, dude. God. How much fucking Floridian puss was this guy just drilling through on a weekly basis, Steve? I mean, is he been looking like this? <laughs> That's how he looked at the end of the night. And he, his his match was against uh, Tatsumi Fujinami for the NWA and WCW World Heavyweight Championships, and the match was 18 minutes and 39 seconds. Uh, as you can see, it was a gruesome fight, man. 
Yeah, this is your brain on drugs, Steve. Jesus. <laughs> what is... Is Arn Anderson back there with some hair on his head? Yeah, uh, he actually had a match uh, just prior to this match uh, facing Bobby Eaton for the World Television Championship, and he lost. Uh, that match was 11 minutes and 50 seconds. It's fucking Al Borland on roids, dude. Straight man. This is when men were men, Steve, in the WWE, in wrestling in general. Look at these guys. They could build a house, possibly. I mean, Ric Flair can't. He could snort a house. And just prior to Arn Anderson's match was the Sting, Lex Luger, and Steiner Brothers match. And this one match of the year. I see a fucking neon blonde-headed Sting, and I love that. Yeah, I think everybody loves Surfer Sting better. I mean, it was just, that's like peak Sting to me. Once he started doing the crow shit, that's when it was more, we were getting older, I was kind of getting out of wrestling a little bit, but I also see Scott Steiner looking very 90s with that mullet. I like this, I don't, <clears throat> what do you call that, Steiner? Because that this is like... When I fell in love with Scott Steiner, the Frankensteiner specifically is why I love the Steiner brothers so much. Uh, but he had a specific look, Steve. I mean, I, I don't know if it's white uh, trash or... Mullet Steiner, M Michigan Steiner. Yeah, Ann Arbor Steiner. A Ann Arbor Steiner, uh, you know, and everybody prefers this Steiner. This is the one that was doing the Hurricane Rana. This, he was the guy that, like, they called it the Frankensteiner. And then later, you know, when the, the Lucha Libre guys were doing it, uh, they started calling it the Hurricane Rana. And it's like, oh, I remember this being called the Frankensteiner. And that guy introduced it to me. This guy. But yeah. then he got Jack City and it got real, it got real spicy, Steve. Scott Steiner, I used, ah! he was like the, he was the wholesome all-American wrestling guy. Yeah. From, he was like a college wrestler. He's made good. And then he turned into fucking, fucking Big Bad Booty Daddy or whatever the fuck he called himself. Holla if you hear me! <laughs> Scott Steiner, is he alive, Steve? Yeah, they he, they just got inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Hell man. yeah. So they being Finally. who? The uh, Steiner, the Steiner brothers? brothers. As a tag team, as they should. They're one of the GOATs, man. Like the essential tag team. And, and back in the 90s, bro, it was Legion of Doom and Steiner Brothers. And then not until like, you know, New Age Outlaws came around in the late 90s, but Steiner Brothers were around the whole decade. I straight up used to watch WCW till the end because they would always be at the end when they were really getting popular. And I would watch specifically because I knew they were going to be there and I was going to yeah. get to see a Frankensteiner. So um, huge Steiner Brothers fan, huge fucking Scott Hall fan or Scott Steiner fan. Huge. Yeah. Is Rick Steiner alive, Steve? Both of them are alive. They, they were there for their I'm sorry. Like usually when we talk about wrestling of this era, most of the guys are dead. And Rick Steiner, he was juiced up, Steve. He was amped up a lot. So I didn't know. Yeah. Maybe, you know, Scott. that took its toll. Scott Steiner, yeah. But no, Rick. I always thought Rick, he the way he was crawling around like a bulldog, that's the those are the acts of a man like in a coke frenzy, Steve. He was the dog face gremlin. <laughs> chewing on ropes i mean that sometimes you get in a coke rage and that's what it looks like Shit, he was my favorite back in the day man and uh, i'm actually a fan of all three of the guys uh, everybody not named lex luger in this match 
just I just he, I didn't get Lex Luger it was a purely a you know if I'm a gay man I'm loving it but other than that like I don't I didn't enjoy it I th- well, did he pick up Yokozuna was he the first guy to do that yeah he this guy they they tried hard with Lex Luger he was supposed to be Hogan's replacement as the next patriotic guy whatever so he comes off of a helicopter he gets dropped off on a helicopter after all of these like former football players and everything make their attempt at trying to body slam him. He comes off of a helicopter and then he body slams him and it's just so dramatic. And he's like, ah, oh, everybody fucking hoists him over their fucking shoulder. And you know, then he goes on the Lex Express. And that was an ongoing thing all of that that whole summer. Uh, where he would be traveling on his bus and it would have his face emblazoned with the the stars and stripes, the red, white, and blue. The Lex Express is coming to your town. And they, they would announce it on every Raw, on every WWF superstars. Uh, you know, he'll be in Akron on Sunday. And then the Lex Express will be stopping in Detroit by Tuesday. Like, Lex it was Luger so Luger will lift a fat man in every city across the country. <laughs> They tried hard. Get your man. biggest guy and see if Lex can't lift his ass. But I mean, lack of charisma, man. You you need the chops. You never had it, man. He was just a buff guy. I mean, I get it. He was, but even Ultimate Warrior was like so erratic and like crazy that you wanted to watch. Lex Luger was just like, I mean, at one when he was the narcissist, they just opened up like a thing of mirrors and he would just pose in it like American Psycho. Exactly, because Vince has a hard on for those guys. It's like, well, he like, he, oh my God, look at that physique. physique. We need to, we'll just put some mirrors in front of him. And he can look at himself and everybody's got to look Looking at himself. Jeez. Uh, but you also missed another gem in this Super Brawl one. Uh, we get to see Oz. And Oz would eventually be... Big Daddy Cool. Yeah, man. WCW, they were gambling, too, with these fucking characters. Wow. I have never seen that. He looks like fucking the Grinch. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Oz. Man. What was the one that was tugboat in a fucking Stormtrooper mask? Who was that? Shockmaster. (laughs) Yeah, like, they need to go toe-to-toe, dude. Shockmaster and green grimace or whatever the fuck that is and and he ended up beating his opponent tim parker in 26 seconds because he's ozzed yeah, i was gonna say oh a guy with a crazy name beats a guy with a fucking tim parker name like that's just the guy in the red shirt on star trek it's just like thrown to the wolves early 90s wrestling is just ridiculous and then there's oh big my. josh Yes, big this was Josh, an actual thing dude. too. Big fucking Josh. <laughs> big Josh. Dude, Steve, tell me those aren't real bears. Those are real bears? Big Josh, dude. This is a fucking risk, guys. Two bears? What's going Titty, on here? Two that, when did the, how did this end? How did this end? Did they fucking kill an audience member or some shit? Well, well Big Josh, he beat Black Bart. In three oh, minutes no. and seconds. Black yeah. Bart, where's that picture at, Steve? Tell me you yeah. got a picture of Black Bart. Black Bart, no. Uh, that's NFSW. What is N- that? NSFW. I'm huh? going to look up Black Bart right now, Steve. 
big black bars. <laughs> black bar, dude. You motherfuckers couldn't think about something better. What is this? Black bar. WCW. Let's take a look. Oh my god, dude. What the fuck? What? I mean, I don't. What? I first of all, I thought it was a racist thing. Not that. Yeah. This guy looks like some like he looks like somebody that rapes people in a desert. Steve. It's like Cactus Jack and he rapes people. I think he is now, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm seeing some newer pictures, and it's looking a little bad. It looks like Black Bar went down a little fast. Maybe if it was a WWF, he would have been uh, had racist connotations. Uh, he's big. He's of, black. I'm seeing a lot of Confederate flags with him too, so I don't, I don't, I don't know, Steve. Black Bar, shout out Black Bar. Who knew? And what's this guy? What's the lumberjack's name? What's the brawny man's name? Big Josh. Big Josh. Wow. Those writers hopefully didn't keep their jobs too long. But but, but get this though, Matt. Uh, do you know who he would be more famous for, Big Josh, later in life? Big Josh. Who could he have been? He would be known better as a wrestling clown named Doink. That's Doink the Clown, dude? Yes, this back here is the original Doink. His name is Matt Bourne, and he's no longer with us. Matt Bourne like... passed away in 2013 of Man. drug overdose. Yeah. You know, I gotta say, Big Josh, Doink, I wouldn't have expected you to take the makeup off Doink and he looks like that. Let's put it like yeah. that. Rest you in know. peace, Doink the Clown, one of the weirdest gimmicks for no reason. I don't think anybody was ever a huge fan of Doink the Clown. He had a midget, or a little person. Dink. Dink. And, uh, you know, it happened, but so bizarre. And I didn't know he was actually a, a normal-looking person. He was actually respected for his craft as far as being a performer. Yeah, man. Uh, Bankhead bounced for Matt Bourne. And uh, this, yeah. 1992... May 19th, Billy Ray Cyrus releases his debut album, Some Gave All. And uh, this was chart topping like a motherfucker. I don't know if you guys got the box back in the day, but I lived in Columbus in 92, and we got the box where you could call in a 1-800 number and off of a three digit selection, uh, each video had its own like combo. And this song, amongst the nothing but a G things, the Easy E shit, the Ice Cube shit, this would stop. That fucking achy breaky heart shit would pop up. That mullet would be flapping up. And if you take my heart, I, man, enough people like that shit for it to be hitting the airwaves, and for an eight year old Steve to know about it. Howdy, parts. This here is Marty Payne on Detroit's number one country station. My mom and dad listen to the shit out of this. I mean, they like. I smell music. my sister's farts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, very, uh, you know, you could definitely do a Weird Al to this. I'm sure Weird um, did Weird, Weird Al do this? No, I'm not sure, but Alvin and the Chipmunks did. And that shit hit the charts too. In the US, Australia, and the UK. Uh, the shit was that popping. Uh, so the shit was that popping that George Leroy. And Sonya was getting down to it. Dude, they were fucking just blasting this in a minivan, just straight. Ooh, ooh. Give me that Franzia, George. 
they, they, they were make they were working on the second mat sometimes yeah. when you weren't around. Yeah. Hey, hey, if you break my no, I ain't gonna do that to you. Man. Probably, hey, you I mean, know. hey, who knows? Somebody was though. Somebody was fucking the fuck out of somebody to achy breaky hearts to you. Hey bro, like real talk, watch this video and you could tell it was getting honey's voice. I'm getting moist getting just it. thinking about it. Ooh. <laughs> I'm getting moist just thinking about it, dude. Well, I like a lot of things in life. Like lollipops in my ass. And in that same day, 1992, <laughs> Vice President of the United States Dan Quill speaks at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. And during his speech, he criticizes the murky brown character for mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone. And uh, it's so a beef was started between Candace Bergen and Dan Quayle. How dare you? And I'm sure he got slapped. I mean, I'd be afraid of Candace Bergen. I'm assuming Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle, look at this guy. Didn't he almost choke or something? Did something happen with Dan Quayle, I remember. He couldn't spell potatoes. Probably. That's what it was. He was just a fucking dim bulb. But he can do this, Steve. I'm Dan Quayle, hey. I'm a schmuck. Oh man, I forgot to show this. This this was the uh, clip. The that even is sting, only out. even stings like, man, what the fuck? We promoted all month long, and this is all you gonna do? Your fucking shoulder fucking bigger than Robocop. <laughs> Pick your shoulder blade off the fucking ground. What <laughs> shit is falling apart, man? Let's hurry up and get to the back. Malfunction. <laughs> he had to play it off like station. <laughs> Oh no! Fucking Robocop it's, got hacked. I'm it's so pathetic. Dying. Man. But uh, in 1993, The Roots released their debut album called Organics. Uh, it's their debut album, and I didn't know they were going on that back that far back, man. Uh, but this was independent. It was originally sold at the band shows in Europe, and the album earned enough industry buzz to earn The Roots offers from major record labels. After which they signed with DGC and uh which at the time was better known for its grunge music dude how fucking old are the roots dude jesus 93 93 man and uh they're still here they're doing jimmy fallon bro you're talking about ten thousand hour rule uh i'm sure you've heard about black thoughts legendary freestyle on uh what is it the guy that used to be on mtv with the hat Sway? Sway. On Sway in the Morning, he drops this legendary freestyle, and it is just full of fucking bars within bars. Uh, Big pun would be proud. And a lot of people saying it's like one of the greatest freestyles ever. Uh, and it's Black Thought, who's been doing this since 93, probably before 93. This is their first album. So That's what I mean. Like, how old are these guys? They've been doing They're 150 years old, Steve. 150,000 hours and this is mastery man uh i mean and you think about quest love on the on the hi-hats and all of this man they've been doing this and building this connection for years man just in the pocket like i know what my guy's going to do on the drums I, I i sense his rhythm it's just it becomes an innate thing uh but shout out to the roots dude. man i came i found out about them in college like in 2001 wow. so to think they've been doing it for eight years at that point and they're still around i mean they're like you said they're jimmy fallon's house fucking man they're so yeah. prolific that's so that's sick yeah man 
uh, on that same day in 93, Beverly Hills 90210, they're airing their season finale commencement. Uh, the gang basically graduates high school. I think there's a reason we didn't pick that one. Uh, well, I mean, it, I'm sure it's got its gems. Uh, I, I like looking at that Terry Gar. I just, Beverly Hills, I just can't look at the Ian Zeeries, dude. After that one episode we watched where it was just like, somebody just wanted to see him shirtless the whole time. It was just like, I have a distaste for him. I honestly think he's... He's universally disliked by like any watchers of this show. If you had to pick, and for good reason. It's like a Q-tip. Oh, ouch! Bizarro Lopez. <laughs> Bizarro Lopez. Well, yeah, by the Wayside High School. Um, 1994. Seinfeld is airing the episode The Opposite. George decides to turn his life around by doing the exact opposite of what he had would usually do. Elaine is having a lot of bad luck. Jerry keeps breaking even. Kramer gets the coffee table book published. It's I feel like this George. has got to be a seminal episode of Seinfeld. Any George-focused episode is seminal. <clears throat> I mean, this is when he gets his gig with the Yankees, Steve. Even I, oh, as a Seinfeld fucking... Uh, non-watcher knew I watched this episode and knew he worked for uh, the Yankees so I think this is a this is a pinnacle episode and I loved it and I believe this is the first uh, appearance of the the George Steinbrenner silhouette did you ever I think I just recently saw a video about this that they actually did try to use Steinbrenner but he sucked so bad they just said fuck it and use Larry David and Larry David had to call George Steinbrenner and be like uh, we didn't use you sorry bud uh, not gonna work <laughs> not good not good but I, you know at the ep beginning of this episode it's really looking up for Elaine's um, Steve she's getting a promotion or something's happening a raise, her, a raise yes and uh her boss is like you're on your way kid so and she's super excited you know it's, it looks like everything's going well for her the looking up and up. great looking great uh, too elaine hmm, we've talked about it before looking hot uh, yeah meanwhile george is sitting at the dock of the bay with a look of despair looking like typical costanza yeah i can't stand you and uh you know he pops up where Jerry and Elaine are at the, the usual spot. And he's just like, you know what, man? I just don't get it. I had a bright future. I was a bright kid, you know, maybe not academically, but you know, I, I like to think that I was gonna have it figured out. Every decision I make, every move I make is the wrong move. What's he gonna what do, Steve? What are you gonna do in this moment? Just gonna I need to start doing the opposite out. shit. Everything I've done is not working for me. This ain't it, that ain't it. So, hey, waitress, you know, no tuna this time. Give me a chicken salad on rye. No coffee. Give me tea. You don't untoast it. Don't toast my shit this time. Let's start there. I mean, <clears throat> right away, I mean, kudos to him for immediately starting something like this. You know, a lot of people would say this and then blow it off. He doesn't. He orders a sandwich. He does. He, he changes it up. And immediately, Elaine's like, hey, um, George. This fucking hottie over at the fucking counters looking at you. Go, uh, go talk to her. And he doesn't. He's like, nah, a chick like that, bald dude. 
little little penis then she ain't gonna go for it and elaine's like what would this what is what would new george do and he thinks about it and he's like you know what i'm gonna go shoot my shot real quick new fuck george it. fuck it and i love it and he does steve he, he walks up turns out the chick ordered the exact same thing that he ordered so this new thing it's all it's immediately paying off and uh it looks like he's gonna get in steve he's gonna get more than a fucking uh two or chicken salad on rye if you know what i'm talking about something's gonna get right yeah because he doesn't sugarcoat shit this time he keeps it all the way g1000 with him hey my name is george i'm unemployed and i live with my parents (gasps) i'm victoria (laughs) yeah i mean what the fuck and right into uh, his lap. It, it, you know, it pay, he's this is what everyone tells you, Steve. Don't just just get, tell the truth. Be honest. Be you. And it's Don't paying off for George. So George is, you know, he's got that pre-date boner. He knows. It's it's all he's he's getting ready. Back at Jerry's, Jerry loses a job. And he's torn up. But immediately he gets another job for the same amount of money and it's like man even kill jerry i forget like kramer walks in i think or somebody walks in like man every you always even out you know yeah that was kramer oh by the way his uh stupid coffee book is is getting published that's another part of the storyline and uh <laughs> he's like you're even steven <laughs> and kramer's gonna go on regis and kathy lee uh, to you know, do some promotion, talk about the book, and it's a coffee table book about coffee tables, Steve. So, hmm, I uh, I don't get it, but I think we just have a hatred of Kramer, and it doesn't allow us to enjoy the character that much, you know. Pretty much, I think that's where we are. Um, it's pretty niche. Um, you know, if it was another character, be like, oh, that's kind of clever. That's a good way to like shit on something. It's pretty niche, you know. It's yeah, niche. it's got potential. Yeah. But so yeah, Jerry's even Steven, Steve. So um, we cut to George. He's out with Victoria, and he's just fucking playing it super cool. It's opposite day George. Um, and in they go to a movie. They're hanging out. Nightmare scenario. There's two fucking like meatheads behind him just laughing it up yucking it up you know throwing popcorn powder in his pal you know george is trying to just enjoy a night out with his lady friend so old george may have just you know eaten this as i probably would have i'd just be like you know what i'm gonna let's move new not this george no you tell him to shut the fuck up or else y'all can fuck around and find out uh, and after that, he gets a roaring applause. Like, ah, we were all pussies, but you stood up to powder in his pal. You will get, I mean, this is a moment where if this happens in real life, you're leaving that theater, possibly in the theater, having sex. Yeah. I mean, you and know, she, that's good. And she's, you can see, Victoria's like, oh my God, this Costanza. <laughs> gush, gush. Um, so they leave, you know, we see that George dropping Victoria off and just playing another just player move where she's like, um, do you want to come upstairs and let me just gobble your penis? And he's like, you know what? 
it's just not time yet, Victoria. We just met. We don't know each other. And she's like, who are you, George Costanza? Gosh. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> now, we have a, a French Stewart cameo. Uh, yeah. You know, it seems like NBC grooms these people before they get released into their own shit. But uh, French Stewart, he's a manager in a movie theater, and he gives Elaine a memo uh, saying that his date, her date got into an accident. Uh, and she's like, oh, shit. And, but along the way, before she leaves, she gets some juji fruits. She loves these juji fruits, as we'll see. Uh, so she visits Jake, her date, in, in the hospital, and she's going to town on those juji fruits. And Jake couldn't help but ask, like, uh, so when did you get these juji fruits? Uh, did you get them after you found out I got into an accident and could have died, bitch? And she's, he's just asking her, like, 21 questions about these goddamn juji fruits. Um, basically making her seem villainous. Like, damn, bitch can't eat? I mean, damn Columbo, though. It's like, I could have been like, yeah. I bought him before the guy told me. That enough said. He's like, wait, I called and told the guy to get you before you got into the movie theater. So there's no way. And he just takes this. I mean, this guy's a I mean, lunatic, really. You're better Pretty off. Much. Jake's, yeah. a, Jake's sort of probably a psychopath, Wayne, but... Um, she feels terrible, but she still loves them juji fruits, Steve. This bitch is gobbling a fuck. Like, how long does the box last, bitch? It should have been Man, gone I, looking at you eat them things. Yeah, she was gargling the motherfuckers. <laughs> and gargling. she loves them motherfuckers more than Jake. But Jake, dude, uh, at least she didn't, like, stay at the movie and watch the movie. That would have really been some fuck shit, Jake. You're just really manipulative. Yeah, she came to hang out. Sorry, she needed some fucking sustenance. She needed a couple. She needed to feel good about herself while she was worried about you. God, yeah, bro. She, she could have gave you an HJ under the fucking your yeah, nurse, dude. whatever the fuck. Your oh, her mouth's all lubed up with juji fruit, fucking juice. Freaking, she's gonna love that shit. You never find out now, Jake. Now Kramer's on Regis and Kathy Lee said, and they love his hair. They just they just love him. They're in awe of Kramer. Uh, and he's just introduced as Kramer. I guess that's his stage name, no last name. And uh this guy is bonkers, Steve. He's bonkers. <laughs> and uh the book apparently turns into a coffee table, and they're just stuck on stupid. Uh, you know, as the crowd is applauding, Kramer spits his coffee out. I guess it went into the wrong tunnel and it lands on Kathy Lee's dress. Uh, you just ruined Kramer again just ruining another opportunity I, but really it's like how fucking dumb is Regis and Kat they're, oh it turns into a coffee table oh my god if this is Shark Tank I've been like get the fuck out of here <laughs> but no he you know fucks the promotion up but we don't you know he just spits on him and they kind of cut but it's very Kramer you know he spazzes out Elaine comes in uh, and starts talking to Jerry uh, about her night. Um, Jerry actually also had another instance uh, where he had a poker game, I believe, in his apartment, yeah. and he he ended up coming out even. So again, even Stevens. But, uh, and, and he tells Elaine about that, and she's just like, <sighs> she's a hater at this point, and she's like, hey, give me a twenty dollar bill. He gives it to her and she just throws it out the window. And he's like, what, what the fuck? What, bitch, what are you doing? And she's like, well, uh, if you're really even, Steven, it'll come back. And Jerry's like, well, bitch, you could have thrown a pencil out or something, you know? Yeah. 
damn bitch a 20 a 20 spot and then george comes in is like i found a fucking 20 so his luck just off the charts he's telling them about victoria and not only is victoria all up on this guy's dick this chick's about to hook her him up with a job at the yankees because her uncle works at the fucking yankees steve i mean honey pot gold this is just a golden goose with the silk igloo they call it and uh <laughs> an assistant i didn't even know this was a fucking position an assistant to the traveling secretary yep it's the yankees that's so thing. it's money exactly yeah. this is like a this is like one of those like mob jobs steve this is 90s new york i'm sure this guy's mobbed up in some way um basically uh make sure chuck Knobloch's wife doesn't find out about certain things you're yeah. that guy Don Mattingly's there's a lot of dead hookers in Don Mattingly's past that nobody found out about it's because of this dude you're the Um, patch-up guy but George is doing his interview and he is you know doing the opposite and even this guy's like blown away like you're the opposite of every fucking person that's come in here and coincidentally then fucking Steinbrenner walks by and this guy's like George come here and uh George Steinbrenner George meets George Steinbrenner in this like silhouette thing that you talked about earlier. This is, becomes famous. This happens all the time. Um, but it just lays into Steinbrenner. He's like, you know what? The irresponsible way that you have run this team has caused so much misery to New York in general. You should be ashamed of yourself. And Steinbrenner is just like, I like your moxie, kid. You you got a job. Give this man a job. This man. Uh, and uh, the guy who plays Victoria's uncle is Paul Gleason. Uh, he's no longer with us, RIP. Um, he played the principal in Breakfast Club. Uh, play with the bull, get the horns. Yep. I knew I knew him from something, but yeah, hell yeah. He was in a lot of other shit, too. I think he was in Die Hard. And, and, uh, back to Elaine, she's getting kicked out of her apartment because there's been some complaints. Apparently, she was putting Canadian quarters in the washing machines, amongst other things. Yeah, and uh, she's starting to really get disheveled, too. Like, this bad luck is starting to, like, visually, like, appear on her. Just, like, you know, visualize itself on her. Um, Jerry um, is out on a date or just, like, I I think he's out on a date. And, you know, it's not going well. And the chick basically breaks up with him. And he's like, you know what? It's all going to work out. It's fine. I'm going to find another chick. Because I'm even even Stevens. Yeah, exactly. I wish, Steve, I wish I could have handled a breakup like this at one point in my life. Be like, all right. I do now. (laughs) I can't. I never was able to do this. So shout out. And congratulations to you for reaching that point. Yeah, I mean, you you reach a, a moment of realization. Uh, you know, they get kids uh, and then they become single again. And you don't have kids. You become a commodity. Yes, I said it. <laughs> oh, my God. Kevin Samuels walked so I could run. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you the 911 call of, that, of what happened to that guy, by the way? Sidetracking Sally here. But very I, I bizarre. Did. I did, and it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate that all of the uh, hood boogers and the buffaloes are coming out to rejoice, further proving his point as to why you are still single, um, because you're miserable on the inside, and you shouldn't rejoice over someone's death uh, just because you have differing opinions. Kevin, I just thought I could get the 
this man to love me. That's why you a dumb bitch. That's why and you see, ugly bitch. He didn't. He wasn't that crass. But uh, his delivery, they didn't like. Man, it was basically keeping it real with him. With the shit that they he needed. Was, to hear. I mean, he. That's exactly what it was. He didn't say bitch, but he was like, "No one is gonna love you. You got a kid. You're 31." And that's that. Like, there's literally a clip I saw in the video I watched where I was like, Dad, like the chick paid for this. And he was like, you paid me to tell you what the what the fuck's up. So here it is. And that's the thing. They People overlook the fact that women are volunteering to get this advice. Uh, I, I know a guy in Houston who actually has a success story finding his wife through Kevin Samuels. So, but that doesn't go viral. We don't like care about the good stories. He was hooking people like he would connect. He's a relationship consultant. He's a relationship oh. consultant. Like that's his thing, and that's why people were calling in. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, uh, you know, you, you can't be over the hill and expect Idris Elba to just come. Like uh, they watch too many Tyler Perry movies, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm gonna get me a Russell Wilson too." Look, everybody ain't Sierra. Everybody ain't Russell. <laughs> all right, you need to find you a hardworking junk man or some shit. I never, the only thing I know is what people are putting out now. And the only thing I really know is how insane the fucking 911 tape was. But sidetrack Sally and Steve. Um, Elaine, uh, she's still munching on those juju fruits. And her boss is telling her that like, hey, this mer if we don't have this merger, we could be on the street. Andy's sick. Like we, we yeah. kind of glance out like in the beginning of the episode, you see him kind of get like a cough and now it's like full on coronavirus. He's yeah. not sounding good. And she's got a mouth full of juju fruits and she can't even alert him that, hey, you forgot your handkerchief. It comes out like, oh, so he walks down the hall and he's greeted prematurely by the Asian businessman and he sneezes into his hand. And as they're trying to greet him, he says like, no, I, I can't, uh, the germs, I, I can't. And so the translator, he relates that to the Asian businessman and like, he's offended. Like, what the fuck, who the fuck you think? We we flew this far, motherfucker? You can't even shake my hand, bitch? I mean, a, I feel like a simple just explanation though. Like somebody, we gotta get a translator in here, but he fucks the deal up and consequently fucks Kramer's deal up because Kramer's sort of tied into this so we like that but Kramer fucked it up anyway because after the debacle on Regis and Kathy Lee no everybody the um recommendation was that he doesn't do any more publicity because it just went completely haywire so it that's did, yeah and George got the job yeah and it's great he's 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 big dicking around now he's telling everybody about it He's excited. Elaine is not excited. She's hating. And um, he offers her his room at his mom's because he's balling so good now that he's going to move out of his parents. And he's like, hey, move in with my mom. And he gets slapped. Yeah, I wish he'd slap me like that. Grab me by the face, Elaine. And, mm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, th this is another episode where we get to see Frank. And, uh, you know, he's telling George, you be good. And slaps him on the forehead. Dude, if your kid got a job at a pro team, dude, I mean, that's just a dream of a father. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I forget. Uh, oh, the other thing in this meeting with like, they're at his house. Like, they're at his parents' house. 
<clears throat> and he even tells his mom and dad that he loves them. And it's because it's opposite George. Yeah. You never do yeah. that. <laughs> Jerry clocked that. Like, he's in the corner with Kramer and Elaine, like, yeah, that's opposite George. OG. Yeah, and, uh, and then we cut to the diner, and it seems like George's great luck is sort of siphoning off everyone else's luck and really kind of shitting, making their lives shitty, except for Jerry. Mr. Eve. He's even Steven! <laughs> Elaine's come to the realization that she has become George. Oh, Georgie! And she's starting to look, she's starting to get frumpy, Steve. The hair is just fucking wet all the time. She looks like... She's looking like she's doing the walk of shame almost at the end of this. And she realizes it. It's like this motherfucker's having to his good luck is fucking our lives up. So she's hating. <laughs> and George walks in like a new man. Brand yeah. new clean suit and, and chicken salad on rye is his new usual. And uh, you know, he does look like uh he's going to some sort of yacht club. He start he's 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 big dicking with Don Mattingly at the Yankees stadium, you know, he's just basically just trying to throw it as hard into everyone's face as possible. And I love that. He then came up and that's basically the end of the episode. Uh, we end off with one of Jerry's uh, stand-up bits and he's talking about how oh, coffee has a lot of accessories. You know, you got coffee mugs, you got coffee pads and all the uh, alcohol. You, it helps you lose everything. Like family, home, dog, kids, and the like. But maybe you could use a squeegee. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, you got it, though. You basically got it. Yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs> the NBA on TNT. Back to back. The Celtics take on the bad boys from Detroit. Monday at 8. And then... Woo! Oh, yeah! The Bulls battle the Nets. Tuesday at 8, two nights of NBA back-to-back -back on TNT. Uh, now, in 1990, Saturday Night Live is airing their season finale uh, with musical guests the Notting Hillbillies and Candace Bergen. Never heard of the Notting Hillbillies. Um, one thing that stood out was a uh, Toontz's skit. And I it love was, that shit, dude. Toons is the it, driving cat. It was pretty dark. Um, like Toons is fucking puts this other cat, this rival cat, into a daze. Basically, puts like smelling salt with the fucking rag over the cat. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Toons is the driving cat. I love it. But uh, other than that, oh yeah, there was a Wayne's World skit. Candace Bergen, who is Murphy Brown? Murphy Brown. Okay, there we go. Murphy Brown, uh, my mother's favorite show. Back, I hated Murphy Brown. It was yeah. the Dennis Miller of sitcoms. It was unnecessary. I can, yeah, I mean it's CBS, man. Uh, but on that night, that same day in 1990, Capital Combat airs on pay per view through NWA. And uh, Capital Combat, it's mostly remembered for having the RoboCop crossover promotion. Um, and the only involvement that, that RoboCop had, uh, he comes out, uh, Sting is locked in a cage. Uh, RoboCop comes out and his equipment is falling apart. So he could barely move. He's like trying to keep the shit together. <laughs> and he like breaks open the cage 
and free Sting so that he can fight in the, in his match. And, you know, they, they've promoted it with this guy all over the posters, Robocop, thinking there was going to be some more involvement than what we actually got. Like he was going to wrestle and shit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. shit. Something like maybe shoot a motherfucker with a laser gun or something. I don't know. Can I say, Steven, this is going to, I'm coming in, probably going to get a lot of hatred for this. Robocop. I mean, there's one where a little kid's a drug dealer, and that one's kind of funny, but I don't know, man. I, I didn't dig the RoboCop. I was a. I feel like Terminator was my robot thing, you know? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Well, you watched RoboCop probably after Terminator. Like, you didn't... Maybe you'd appreciate it more if you watched RoboCop in the 80s. I do remember one thing from RoboCop 1 where the dude gets shot up, like the guy who becomes RoboCop gets shot up in the most graphic of way. Like he gets blown apart, which is yeah, why he becomes up. RoboCop. But it's pretty wild. Yeah. And I mean, wasn't uh, Red Foreman in the movie? I think he was the guy that shot him. Oh, yeah. He's the villain. Yeah, for he's sure. He's the villain. Yeah. There's some other, there's like a corporate entity that's a villain too. And I, there's some like slime bag that's. He's kind of has the energy of like that guy that does coke and die hard that tries to, you know, negotiate or whatever. Just a slime ball. But, you know, now that I'm saying it, now I'm kind of having some fond memories of Robocop. Maybe I need to go back. Maybe I'm I believe it's available on one of these streams, man. And uh, this also has Mark Callis. Mean Mark Callis is in this pay-per-view. This is uh, The Undertaker. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, wow. and he's a company with Teddy Long, and he has a fight with Johnny Ace. And What's Johnny his Ace, thing? What is his thing in this? Uh, he's being Mark Callis. He's just a mean guy. Yeah, and he's got his red hair out. He's got his uh, red mullet. Nice. Just full, like, straight. He probably hung out with fucking uh, Scott Hall a lot. You know, were they, were they crossing over? Because I feel like the look... I need to get some side by side. They had the same like mullety hair and pedo stash, except Undertaker's is red and weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, they I don't know if they crossed paths at this point. Um, but he was in a tag team with Dangerous Danny Spivey. Uh you probably don't remember him, but mm. yeah, they were both managed by Teddy Long. And Teddy Long was the black guy. Holla holla player! <laughs> you don't have a match yeah he was the black guy uh, he was like the general manager for Smackdown he always be like you're gonna have a match with the Undertaker tonight <laughs> he would always have somebody face an Undertaker every Thursday I mean if he didn't like you fuck you uh, but in 1991 on May 19th Babes aired their series finale uh, this is one of those weird Fox experiments from the late 80s early 90s uh, it's the series that follows a trio of overweight sisters facing the challenges of work, relationships, popularity, and starting a family. The ladies also share a small one-bedroom apartment in New York City, which added to the comic friction. And, um, yeah, like I said, uh, very niche fucking crowd. Uh, I don't get the full picture, but the woman in the middle, she's the more recognizable one. Uh, her name is Amy Jo Sperber, and she was in some of the Back to the Futures and uh, she was in Bosom Buddies. I don't know if you remember that with Peter Scolari and Tom Hanks back in the day. Uh, yeah. What is this show called? Babes? 
Baines, yeah. It's kind Fox of uh, really just like making some Hail Mary passes at this point. They're like, we got to figure out fat chicks, maybe. I don't know. Just throwing darts. Just throwing darts, man. Uh, you know, and then looking back on it, I mean, this probably wouldn't last the full season. It's pretty disingenuous. These just look like some background players from Blossom or something, you know. It's, it's got that kind of energy. But, man, you said that what that chick in the middle's from. I just, she looks so fucking familiar. She's definitely in something I've seen. I guess probably Back to the Future. Yeah. Maybe one of those Bosom Buddy episodes. Uh, now, in 1991, WCW has another pay-per-view titled Super Brawl 1. And this is known for it being Ric Flair's last uh, WCW pay-per-view before he would go on to uh, join Vince and them boys. Vince just waiting, just sitting there, just calculating, like, I'm going to take this guy now. I'm going to throw the check. Look at Ric Flair, dude. God. How much fucking Floridian puss was this guy just drilling through on a weekly basis, Steve? I mean, is even he a... looking like this. <laughs> whoa, That's how he looked whoa. at the end of the night. And he, his his match was against uh, Tatsumi Fujinami for the NWA and WCW World Heavyweight Championships, and the match was 18 minutes and 39 seconds. Uh, as you can see, it was a gruesome fight, man. Yeah, this is your brain on drugs, Steve. Jesus, what is, is Arn Anderson back there with some hair on his head? Yeah, uh, he actually had a match uh, just prior to this match uh, facing Bobby Eaton for the World Television Championship and he lost. Uh, that match was 11 minutes and 50 seconds. Just fucking Al Borland on roids, dude. Straight man. This is when men were men, Steve, in the WWE, in wrestling in general. Look at these guys. They could build a house, possibly. I mean, Ric Flair can. He could store the house. And just prior to Arn Anderson's match was the Sting, Lex Luger, and Steiner Brothers match, and this one match of the year. I see a fucking neon blonde-headed Sting, and I love that. Yeah, I think everybody loves Surfer Sting better. I mean, it was just, that's like peak Sting to me. Once he started doing the crow shit, that's when it was more, we were getting older. I was kind of getting out of wrestling a little bit, but I also see Scott Steiner looking very 90s with that mullet. I like this. <clears throat> what do you call that, Steiner? Because that this is like... When I fell in love with Scott Steiner, the Frankensteiner specifically is why I love the Steiner brothers so much. Uh, but he had a specific look, Steve. I mean, I, I don't know if it's white trash or... Mullet Steiner, M Michigan Steiner. Yeah, Ann Arbor Steiner. A Ann Arbor Steiner, uh, you know, and everybody prefers this Steiner. This is the one that was doing the Hurricane Rana. This, he was the guy that, like, they called it the Frankensteiner. And then later, you know, when the, the Lucha Libre guys were doing it, uh, they started calling it the Hurricane Rana. It was like, oh, I remember this being called the Frankensteiner. And that guy introduced it to me. This guy. 
But then he got Jack City, and it got real. It got real spicy, Steve. Scott Steiner, I used, ah! he was like the he was the wholesome all American wrestling guy. Yeah. From, he was like a college wrestler. He's made good, and then he turned into fucking fucking big bad booty daddy or whatever the fuck he called himself. Holla if you hear me, <laughs> Scott Steiner. Is he alive, Steve? Yeah, they he, they just got inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Hell man. yeah! So they being Finally. who? The Steiner, uh, the Steiner brothers? brothers as a tag team, as they should. They're one of the goats, man. Like the essential tag team. In, the, in back in the '90s, bro, it was Legion of Doom, and Steiner Brothers, and then not until like you know New Age Outlaws came around in the late '90s. But Steiner Brothers were around the whole decade. I straight up used to watch WCW till the end because they would always be at the end when they were really getting popular and I would watch specifically because I knew they were going to be there and I was going to yeah. get to see a Frankensteiner. So, um, huge Steiner brothers fan, huge fucking Scott Hall fan or Scott Steiner fan. Huge. Yeah. Is Rick Steiner alive, Steve? Both of them are alive. They, they were there I'm, I'm sorry. Like usually when we talk about wrestling of this era, most of the guys are dead and Rick Steiner he was juiced up, Steve. He was amped up a lot, so I didn't know. Maybe you know Scott. that took its toll. Scott Steiner, yeah, but no, Rick. I, I always thought Rick. He the way he was crawling around like a bulldog. That's the those are the acts of a man like in a coke frenzy, Steve. He was the dog face gremlin, <laughs> chewing on ropes. I mean, that, sometimes you get in a coke rage, and that's what it looks like. Shit, he was my favorite back in the day, man. And uh, I'm actually a fan of all three. Of the guys, uh, everybody not named Lex Luger in this match. Just I just he, I didn't get Lex Luger. It was a purely, a, you know, if I'm a gay man, I'm loving it. But other than that, like I don't, I didn't enjoy it. I th well, did he pick up Yokozuna? Was he the first guy to do that? Yeah, he. This guy, they they tried hard with Lex Luger. He was supposed to be Hogan's replacement as the next patriotic guy, whatever. So he comes off of a helicopter. He gets dropped off on a helicopter after all of these like former football players and everything make their attempt at trying to body slam him. He comes off of a helicopter and then he body slams him and it's just so dramatic. And he's like, ah, oh. everybody fucking hoists him over their fucking shoulder. And you know, then he goes on the Lex Express. And that was an ongoing thing all of that that whole summer. Uh, where he would be traveling on his bus and it would have his face emblazoned with the the stars and stripes, the red, white, and blue. The Lex Express is coming to your town. And they, they would announce it on every Raw, on every WWF Superstars. Uh, you know, he'll be in Akron on Sunday. And then the Lex Express will be stopping in Detroit by Tuesday. Like, Lex it was Luger so Luger will lift a fat man in every city across the country. <laughs> They tried hard. Get your man. biggest guy and see if Lex can't lift his ass. But I mean, lack of charisma, man. You, you need the chops. You never he had just, it. Man. He was just a buff guy. I mean, I get it. He was, but even Ultimate Warrior was like so erratic and like crazy that you wanted to watch. Lex Luger was just like, I mean, at one when he was the narcissist, they just opened up like a thing of mirrors and he would just pose in it like American Psycho. Exactly, because Vince has a hard on for those guys. It's like, whoa, like, yeah, oh my God, look at that physique. We need to, we'll just put some mirrors in front of him. 
and he can look at himself, and everybody He's can look at him. Puke. Looking at himself. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but you also missed another gem in this Super Brawl one. Uh, we get to see Oz, and Oz would eventually be Big Daddy Cool. Yeah, man, WCW, they were gambling too with these fucking characters. Wow, I have never seen that. He looks like fucking the Grinch. What the fuck, dude? Oz. Man, what was the one that was tugboat in a fucking Stormtrooper mask? Who was that? Shockmaster. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. they need to go toe-to-toe, dude. Shockmaster and Green Grimace or whatever the fuck that is. And and he ended up beating his opponent, Tim Parker, in 26 seconds because he's Oz. I was going to say, oh, a guy with a crazy name beats a guy with a fucking Tim Parker name. Like, that's just the guy in the red shirt on Star Trek. It's just, like, thrown to the wolves. Early 90s wrestling is just ridiculous. And then there's Big Josh. Yes, this was an actual thing, too. Big fucking Josh. (laughs) Big Josh. Dude, Steve, tell me those aren't real bears. Those are real bears? Big Josh, dude, this is a fucking risk, guys. Two bears? What's going Jenny, on here? Two that, when did the, how did this end? How did this end? Did they fucking kill an audience member or some shit? Well, well, Big Josh, he beat Black Bart in oh, three minutes no. and 26 seconds. Black yeah. Bart? Where's that picture at, Steve? Tell me you yeah. got a picture of Black Bart. Black Bart, no. Uh, that's NFSW. What is N- that? NSFW. I'm going to look up Black Bart right now, Steve. Big Black Bart. (laughs) Black Bart, dude. You motherfuckers couldn't think about something better. What is this? Black Bart. (laughs) WCW. Let's take a look. Oh, my God, dude. What the fuck? (laughs) What? I mean, is this guy arrested? I mean, I don't. What? I first of all, I thought it was a racist thing. Not that. Yeah. This guy looks like some like he looks like somebody that rapes people in a desert. Steve. It's like Cactus Jack if he rapes people. I, I think he is now, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm seeing some newer pictures, and it's looking a little bad. Looks like Black Bar went down to the Maybe if it was a WWF, he would have been uh, had racist connotations. Uh, He's big. (laughs) I'm seeing a lot of Confederate flags with him too, so I don't, I don't, I don't know, Steve. Black Bart, shout out Black Bart. Who knew? And what's this guy? What's the lumberjack's name? What's the brawny man's name? Big Josh. Big Josh. Wow, those writers hopefully didn't keep their jobs too long. But, but, but get this though, Matt, uh, do you know who he would be more famous for, Big Josh, later in life? Big Josh, who could he have been? He would be known better as a wrestling clown named Doink. That's Doink the Clown, dude? Yes, this back here is the original Doink. His name is Matt Bourne and he's no longer with us. Matt Bourne like... passed away in 2013 of drug overdose, yeah. You know, I gotta say, Big Josh, Doink, I wouldn't have expected you to take the makeup off Doink and he looks like that. Let's put it like that. Rest in peace, Doink the Clown, one of the weirdest gimmicks 
for no reason. I don't think anybody was ever a huge fan of Doink the Clown. He had a midget or a little person. Dink. Dink. And, uh, you know, it happened, but so bizarre. And I didn't know he was actually a, a normal looking person. He was actually respected for his craft as far as being a performer. Yeah, man. Uh, Bankhead bounced for Matt Bourne. And uh, this, yeah, 1992, May 19th, Billy Ray Cyrus releases his debut album, Some Gave All. And uh, this was chart topping like a motherfucker. I don't know if you guys got the box back in the day, but I lived in Columbus in 92, and we got the box where you could call in a 1-800 number, and off of a three-digit selection, uh, each video had its own, like, combo, and this song, amongst the nothing but a G things, the Easy e shit, the Ice Cube shit, this would stop, that fucking achy breaky heart shit would pop up, that mullet would be flapping up, and if you take my heart. I, man, enough people like that shit for it to be hitting the airwaves and for an eight-year-old Steve to know about it. Howdy, parts! This here is Marty Payne on Detroit's number one country station. My mom and dad listen to the shit out of this. I mean, they like... I smell music. my sister's farts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, very... Uh... You know, you could definitely do a Weird Al to this. I'm sure Weird um, did Weird Weird Al do this? No, I'm not sure, but Alvin and the Chipmunks did, and that shit hit the charts too. In the U.S., Australia, and the U.K., uh, the shit was that popping. Uh, so the shit was that popping that George Leroy and Sonya were getting down to it. Dude, they were fucking just blasting this in a minivan, just straight. Ooh, ooh. Give Man. me that Franzia, George. Just they, straight. Hey, they were make they were working on the second mat sometimes Damn. when you weren't around. Yeah. Hey, if you break my no, I don't do that to you. Probably, hey, you I mean, know. hey, who knows? Somebody was though. Somebody was fucking the fuck out of somebody to achy breaky hearts, do you? Hey bro, like real talk, watch this video and you could tell it was getting honey's moist. I'm getting it moist getting just it. thinking about it. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, Moist just thinking about it, dude. Mm, well, Billy. Like a lot of things in life. Like lollipops in my half. And in that same day, 1992, <laughs> Vice President of the United States Dan Quill speaks at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. And during his speech, he criticizes the murky brown character for mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone. And uh, it's so a beef was started between Candace Bergen and Dan Quill. How dare you? And. I'm sure he got slapped. I mean, I'd be afraid of Candace Bergen. I'm assuming Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle, look at this guy. Didn't he almost choke or something? Did something happen with Dan Quayle? I remember. He couldn't spell potatoes. Probably. That's what it was. He was just a fucking dim bulb. But he can do this, Steve. I'm Dan Quayle. Hey. I'm a schmuck. Oh, man, I forgot to show this. This, this was the uh, clip. The, that is only out. even stings like man what the fuck we promoted all month long and this is all you gonna do your fucking shoulder fucking bigger than robocop <laughs> pick your shoulder blade off the fucking ground what <laughs> shit is falling apart man let's hurry up and get to the back malfunction <laughs> he had to play it off like say shit <laughs> oh no fucking robocop it's got hacked it's so pathetic, Dying. man.
But uh, in 1993, The Roots released their debut album called Organics. Uh, it's their debut album. And I didn't know they were going on that back that far back, man. Uh, but this was independent. It was originally sold at the band shows in Europe. And the album earned enough industry buzz to earn The Roots offers from major record labels, after which they signed with DGC, and uh, which at the time was better known for its grunge music. Dude, how fucking old are The Roots, dude? Jesus, 93? 93, man, and uh, they're still here. They're doing Jimmy Fallon, bro. You're talking about 10,000 Hour Rule? Uh, I'm sure you've heard about Black Thought's legendary freestyle on, uh, what is it? The guy that used to be on MTV with the hat. Sway? Sway. On Sway in the Morning, he drops this legendary freestyle, and it is just full of fucking bars within bars. Uh, big pun would be proud. And a lot of people saying it's like one of the greatest freestyles ever. Uh, and it's Black Thought, who's been doing this since 93, probably before 93. This is their first album. So That's what I mean. Like, how old are these guys? They've been doing They're 150 years old, Steve. 150,000 hours and this is mastery man uh i mean and you think about quest love on the on the hi-hats and all of this man they've been doing this and building this connection for years man just in the pocket like i know what my guy's going to do on the drums I, I i sense his rhythm it's just it becomes an innate thing uh but shout out to the roots dude. man i came i found out about them in college like in 2001 wow. so to think they've been doing it for eight years at that point and they're still around i mean they're like you said they're jimmy fallon's house fucking man they're so prolific that's so that's sick yeah man uh on that same day in 93 beverly hills 90210 they're airing their season finale commencement uh the gang basically graduates high school mm, i think there's a reason we didn't pick that one <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure it's got its gems. Uh, I, I like looking at that Terry Gar. I just, Beverly Hills, I just can't look at Ian Ziri, Steve. After that one episode we watched where it was just like, somebody just wanted to see him shirtless the whole time. It was just like, I have a distaste for him. I honestly think he's, he's universally disliked by like any watchers of this show. If you had to pick. And for good reason. It's like a Q-tip. Oh, ouch. Bizarro Lopez. <laughs> Bizarro Lopez. Well, yes, like By the wayside high school. Um, in 1994, Seinfeld is airing the episode The Opposite. George decides to turn his life around by doing the exact opposite of what he had would usually do. Elaine is having a lot of bad luck. Jerry keeps breaking even. Kramer gets the coffee table book published. I feel like this George. has got to be a seminal episode of Seinfeld. Any George-focused episode is seminal. <clears throat> I mean, this is when he gets his gig with the Yankees, dude. Even I, yeah. as a Seinfeld fucking uh, non-watcher, knew I watched this episode and knew he worked for uh, the Yankees. So I think this is a this is a pinnacle episode. And I loved it. And I believe this is the first uh, appearance of the, the George Steinbrenner silhouette. 
Did you ever, I think I just recently saw a video about this that they actually did try to use Steinbrenner, but he sucked so bad they just said fuck it and use Larry David. And Larry David had to call George Steinbrenner and be like, uh, we didn't use you. Sorry, bud. Uh, not gonna work. Uh, <laughs> not good. Not good. But, uh, you know, at the ep- beginning of this episode, it's really looking up for Elaine's, um, Steve. She's getting a promotion or something's happening. A raise. Her, a raise, yes. And uh, her boss is like, you're on your way, kid. So, And she's super excited. You know, it's, it looks like everything's going well for her. The up looking and up. great. Looking great, uh-huh. too. Elaine, hmm, we've talked about it before. Looking hot. Uh-huh. Yeah, meanwhile, George is sitting at the dock of the bay with a look of despair, looking like typical Costanza. Yeah, I can't stand you. And, uh, you know, he pops up where Jerry and Elaine are at the, the usual spot. And he's just like, you know what, man? I just don't get it. I had a bright future. I was a bright kid, you know, maybe not academically, but, you know, I like to think that I was going to have it figured out. Every decision I make, every move I make is the wrong move. What's he gonna what do, Steve? What are you gonna do in this moment? Just gonna I need to start doing the opposite shit. Everything I've done is not working for me. This ain't it, that ain't it. So, hey, waitress, you know, no tuna this time. Give me a chicken salad on rye. No coffee, give me tea. You don't, untoast it. Don't toast my shit this time. We'll start there. I mean, <clears throat> right away, I mean, kudos to him for immediately starting something like this. You know, a lot of people would say this, and then blow it off. He does it. He orders a sandwich. He does. He he changes it up. And immediately, Elaine's like, "Hey, um, George, this fucking hottie over at the fucking counter's looking at you. Go, uh, go talk to her." And he doesn't. He's like, "Nah, ch- a chick like that, bald dude, little little penis. She ain't gonna go for it." And Elaine's like, "What would this? What is? What would new George do?" And he thinks about it. And he's like, "You know what?" I'm gonna go shoot my shot real quick. New Fuck George. It. Fuck it. And I love it. And he does, Steve. He, he walks up. Turns out the chick ordered the exact same thing that he ordered. So this new thing, it's all it's immediately paying off. And uh it looks like he's gonna get in, Steve. He's gonna get more than a fucking uh two or chicken salad on rye, if you know what I'm talking about. Something's gonna get hey. rye. Yeah, because he doesn't sugarcoat shit this time. He keeps it all the way G1000 with him. Hey, my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. <gasps> I'm Victoria. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what the fuck? And right uh, to his lap. It, it, you know, it pays. This is what everyone tells you, Steve. Don't just just get, tell the truth. Be honest. Be you. And it's Don't paying off on George. So. George is, you know, he's got that pre-date boner. He knows. It's it's all, he's, he's getting ready. Back at Jerry's, Jerry loses a job. And he's torn up. But immediately, he gets another job for the same amount of money. And it's like, man, even kill Jerry. I forget, like Kramer walks in, I think, or somebody walks in. They're like, man, every, you always even out. Yeah, that was Kramer. Oh, by the way, his uh, stupid coffee book is, is getting published. That's another part of the storyline. And uh, he's like, you're even stealing. <laughs> and Kramer's going to go on Regis and Kathy Lee 
uh, to, you know, do some promotion, talk about the book. And it's a coffee table book about coffee tables, Steve. So, hmm. I uh, I don't get it, but I think we just have a hatred of Kramer, and it doesn't allow us to enjoy the character that much, you know? Pretty much. I think that's where we are. Um, it's pretty niche. Um, you know, if it was another character, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of clever. <laughs> that's a good way to, like, shit on something. It's pretty niche, you know? It's yeah, it's got potential, yeah. But so, yeah, Jerry's even Steven, Steve, so... Um, we cut to George. He's out with Victoria, and he's just fucking playing it super cool. It's opposite day George. Um, and in they go to a movie. They're hanging out. Nightmare scenario. There's two fucking like meatheads behind them, just laughing it up, yucking it up. You know, throwing popcorn. George, yeah, powder in his pal. You know, George is trying to just enjoy a night out with his lady friend. So. Old George may have just, you know, eaten this, as I probably would have. I'd just be like, you know what? I'm gonna move. Let's move. New no, George, not this uh, George. Mm-mm. No, Flex. you tell him to shut the fuck up, or else y'all can fuck around and find out. Uh, and after that, he gets a roaring applause, like, ah, we were all pussies, but you stood up to Powder and his pal. You will get. I mean, this is a moment where if this happens in real life, you're leaving that theater, possibly in the theater, having sex. I mean, you and know, she, that's good. And she's, you can see Victoria's like, oh my God, this Costanza. <laughs> gush, gush. Um, so they leave, you know, we see that George dropping Victoria off and just playing another just player move where she's like, um, do you want to come upstairs and let me just gobble your penis and he's like you know what it's just not time yet victoria we just met we don't know each other and she's like who are you george costanza gush i don't even know anymore <laughs> now we have a, a french stewart cameo uh yeah you know it seems like nbc grooms these people before they get released into their own shit. but uh french stewart he's a manager in a movie theater and he gives elaine a memo uh saying that his date her date got into an accident uh and she's like oh shit. and but along the way before she leaves she gets some juji fruits she loves these juji fruits as we'll see uh so she visits jake her date in, in the hospital and she's going to town on those juji fruits and jake couldn't help but ask like uh so when did you get these juji fruits uh did you get them after you found out i got into an accident and could have died bitch and she's he's just asking her like 21 questions about these goddamn juji fruits um basically making her seem villainous like damn bitch can't eat i mean damn colombo though it's like i could have been like i bought them before the guy told me that enough said he's like wait i called and told the guy to get you before you got into the movie theater so there's no way and he just takes this i mean this guy's a i mean lunatic really you're better off jake's jake's sort of probably a psychopath Wayne. but um she feels terrible but she still loves them juji fruits steve this bitch is gobbling a fuck like how long does the box last bitch it should have been gone looking at you eat them things yeah she was gargling the motherfuckers (laughs) and she loves the motherfuckers more than jake but jake dude uh at least she didn't like stay at the movie and watch the movie that would have really been some fuck shit jake you're just really manipulative 
Yeah, she came to hang out. Sorry she needed some fucking sustenance. She needed a couple... She needed to feel good about herself while she was worried about you. God, yeah, bro. She, she could have gave you an HJ under the fucking... Your yeah, nurse, dude. whatever the fuck. Your oh, her mouth's all lubed up with juji fruit fucking juice. Freaking... She's gonna love that shit. You'd never find out now, Jake. Now, Kramer's on Regis and Kathy Lee said, and they love his hair. They just they just love him. They're in awe of Kramer. Uh, and he's just introduced as Kramer. I guess that's his stage name. No last name. And uh, this guy is bonkers, Steve. He's bonkers. <laughs> and uh, the book apparently turns into a coffee table and they're just stuck on stupid. Uh, you know, as the crowd is applauding, Kramer spits his coffee out. I guess it went into the wrong tunnel and it lands on Kathy Lee's dress. Uh, you just ruined Kramer again just ruining another opportunity I, but really it's like how fucking dumb is Regis and Kat oh it turns into a coffee table oh my god if this is Shark Tank I'd been like get the fuck out of here <laughs> but no he you know fucks the promotion up but we don't you know he just spits on them and they kind of cut but it's very Kramer you know he spazzes out Elaine comes in uh, and starts talking to Jerry uh, about her night. Um, Jerry actually also had another instance uh, where he had a poker game, I believe, at his apartment. Yeah. And he he ended up coming out even. So, again, even Stevens. But, uh, and, and he tells Elaine about that. And she's just like, <sighs> she's a hater at this point. And she's like, hey, give me a $20 bill. He gives it to her, and she just throws it out the window. And he's like, what, what the fuck? What, bitch? What are you doing? And she's like, well, uh, if you're really even, Steven, it'll come back. And Jerry's like, well, bitch, you could have thrown a pencil out or something, you know? Yeah. Damn, bitch. A 20? A 20 yeah. spot? And then George comes in and is like, I found a fucking 20. So his luck, just off the charts, he's telling them about Victoria. And not only is Victoria all up on this guy's dick, this chick's about to hook her, him up with a job at the Yankees because her uncle works at the fucking Yankees, Steve. I mean, honey pot, gold. This is just a golden goose. Yeah, with the silk igloo, they call it. And uh, <laughs> an assistant. I didn't even know this was a fucking position. An assistant to the traveling secretary. Yep. It's the Yankees, That's so thing. it's money. Exactly. Yeah. This is like a this is like one of those like mob jobs, Steve. This is nineties New York. I'm sure this guy's mobbed up in some way. Um basically uh make sure Chuck Knoblock's wife doesn't find out about certain things. You're yeah. that guy. Don Mattingly's there's a lot of dead hookers in Don Mattingly's past that nobody found out about. It's because of this dude. You're the um, patch up guy. But George is doing his interview and he is, you know, doing the opposite. And even this guy's like blown away like you're the opposite of every fucking person that's come in here. And coincidentally, then, fucking Steinbrenner walks by, and this guy's like, George, come here. And uh, George Steinbrenner. George meets George Steinbrenner in this, like, silhouette thing that you talked about earlier. This is, becomes famous. This happens all the time. Um, but just lays into Steinbrenner. He's like, you know what? The irresponsible way that you have run this team has caused so much misery to New York in general. You should be ashamed of yourself. And Steinbrenner is just like, I like your moxie, kid. You you got a job. Give this man a job. This man. 
Uh, and uh, the guy who plays Victoria's uncle is Paul Gleason. Uh, he's no longer with us, RIP. Um, he played the principal in Breakfast Club. Uh, play with the bull, get the horns. Yep. I knew I knew him from something, but yeah, hell yeah. He was in a lot of other shit, too. I think he was in Die Hard. And, and uh, back to Elaine, she's getting kicked out of her apartment because there's been some complaints. Apparently, she was putting Canadian quarters in the washing machines, amongst other things. Yeah, and uh, she's starting to really get disheveled, too. Like, this bad luck is starting to, like, visually, like, appear on her. Just, like, you know, visualize itself on her. Um, Jerry um, is out on a date or just, like, I, I think he's out on a date. And, yeah. you know, it's not going well. And the chick basically yeah. breaks up with him. And he's like, you know what? It's all going to work out. It's fine. I'm going to find another chick. Because I'm even, I'm even Stevens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish, Steve, I wish I could have handled a breakup like this at one point in my life. Be like, all right. I do now. <laughs> I can't. I never was able to do this. So well, shout out. And congratulations to you for reaching that point. Hey, I mean, you you reach a, a moment of realization. Uh, you know, they get kids uh, and then they become single again. And you don't have kids. You become a commodity. Yes, I said it. <laughs> oh, my God. Kevin Samuels walked so I could run. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you the 911 call of, that, of what happened to that guy, by the way? Sidetracking Sally here. But very I, I bizarre. Did. I did, and it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate that all of the uh, hood boogers and the buffaloes are coming out to rejoice, further proving his point as to why you are still single, um, because you're miserable on the inside and you shouldn't rejoice over someone's death uh, just because you have differing opinions. Kevin, I just thought I could get the, this man to love me. That's why you a dumb bitch. That's why and you see, ugly bitch. He, did, he wasn't that crass. But uh, his delivery, they didn't like, man. It was basically keeping it real with him. With the shit that they he needed was, to hear. I mean, he, that's exactly what it was. He didn't say bitch, but he was like, no one is going to love you. You got a kid. You're 31. And that's that. Like, there's literally a clip I saw in the video I watched where I was like, like the chick paid for this. And he was like, you paid me to tell you what the, what the fuck's up. So here it is. And that's the thing they people overlook the fact that women are volunteering to get this advice uh i i know a guy in houston who actually has a success story finding his wife through kevin samuels so but that doesn't go viral we don't like care about the good stories he was hooking people like he would connect he's a relationship people? consultant he's a relationship uh -huh. consultant like that's his thing and that's why people were calling in um but yeah I mean, man uh, you know you can't be over the hill and expect Idris Elba to just come like uh, they watch too many Tyler Perry movies thinking oh my god I'm gonna get me a Russell Wilson too look everybody ain't Sir Yarrow. everybody ain't Russell alright you need to find you a hard working junk man or some shit I never the only thing I know is what people are putting out now and the only thing I really know is how insane the fucking 911 tape was but sidetrack Sally and Steve um Elaine, uh, she's still munching on those juju fruits. And her boss is telling her that, like, hey, this mer if we don't have this merger, we could be on the street. Andy's sick. 
Like we we yeah. kind of glance out. Like in the beginning of the episode, you see him kind of get like a cough, and now it's like full on coronavirus. He's yeah. not sounding good. And she's got a mouth full of juju fruits, and she can't even alert him that hey, you forgot your handkerchief. It comes out like oh, so he walks down the hall and he's greeted prematurely by the Asian businessman, and he sneezes into his hand. And as they're trying to greet him, he says like, no, I, I can't, uh, the germs, I, I can't. And so the translator, he relates that to the Asian businessman and like, he's offended. Like, what the fuck, who the fuck you think? We, we flew this far, motherfucker? You can't even shake my hand, bitch? I mean, a, I feel like a simple just explanation though. Like somebody, we gotta get a translator in here, but he fucks the deal up and consequently fucks Kramer's deal up because Kramer's sort of tied into this so we like that but Kramer fucked it up anyway because after the debacle on Regis and Kathy Lee no everybody the um recommendation was that he doesn't do any more publicity because it just went completely haywire so it that's did, yeah and George got the job yeah and it's great he's 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 big digging around now he's telling everybody about it He's excited. Elaine is not excited. She's hating. And um, he offers her his room at his mom's because he's balling so good now that he's going to move out of his parents. And he's like, hey, move in with my mom. And he gets slapped. Yeah, I wish he'd slap me like that. Grab me by the face, Elaine. And, mm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, th- this is another episode where we get to see Frank. And, uh, you know, he's telling George, you be good. And slaps him on the forehead. Dude, if your kid got a job at a pro team, dude, I mean, that's just a dream of a father. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I forget. Uh, oh, the other thing in this meeting with, like, they're at his house. Like, they're at his parents' house. <clears throat> and he even tells his mom and dad that he loves them. And it's because it's opposite George. Yeah. You never do yeah. that. Jerry clocked that. Like, he's in the corner with Kramer and Elaine, like, yeah, that's opposite George. OG. Yeah. And, uh, and then we cut to the diner. And it seems like George's great luck is sort of siphoning off everyone else's luck and really kind of shitting, making their lives shitty, except for Jerry. Mr. Eve. He's even Steven. <laughs> Elaine's come to the realization that she has become George. Georgie. And she's starting to look, she's starting to get frumpy, Steve. The hair is just fucking wet all the time. She looks like, she's looking like she's doing the walk of shame almost at the end of this. And she realizes it. It's like, this motherfucker's having to, his good luck is fucking our lives up. So she's hating. <laughs> and George walks in like a new man. Brand yeah. new clean suit and, and chicken salad on rye is his new usual. And, uh, you know, he does look like uh, he's going to some sort of yacht club. He start he's 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 big dicking with Don Mattingly at the Yankees Stadium. You know, he, he's just basically just trying to throw it as hard into everyone's face as possible, and I love that. He then came up, and that's basically the end of the episode. Uh, we end off with one of Jerry's uh, stand-up bits, and he's talking about how oh, coffee has a lot of accessories. You know. You got coffee mugs, you got coffee pads, and all the uh, alcohol. You, it helps you lose everything, like family, home, dog, kids, and the like. But maybe you could use a squeegee. I'm paraphrasing. 
Yeah, you got it though. You basically got it. Yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs>